Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Microsoft Spotlight podcast. Today, we have Andrew um, as our co-host, usual co-host, me and Andrew today. How are you doing, Andrew? You good? I am good. Obviously, you know, the UK had some bad news yesterday with the uh, the Queen passing away. So, uh, a bit of a somber mood in the UK and probably all the uh, other Commonwealth countries as well and around the world. Yeah, as you said, like, it's, it's quite... Um, I think raw is the word um, to use. It's um, yeah, it's not. It's just been over twelve hours probably since we we found out. Um, twelve fifteen hours. So yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a weird time in 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 the country. And um, I just want to just pay a quick you know tribute on behalf of the the podcast um, and and stuff. You know, we we very much do women in tech. But if you want to look at someone who's a woman who inspires nearly a lot of like everyone around the world it's um it's, it was the queen and yeah um so let's try yeah, to raise the mood right. let's try to raise <laughs> the mood a little bit and um just welcome our guest today uh, miriam riaz who is a cloud um solutions architect uh, working at microsoft how you doing Mir miriam you good i'm okay thank you thank you yeah and just to add on queen i think the two things are like I like about her and will continue to do is um, she was consistent and persistent, very patient. And it's not easy for her to be in a position that she was to have that quality throughout her longest reign. So there's something to learn from how she carried out herself for all of us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even if you're not a royalist or, or anything like that, I don't think you can have person. anything. But yeah, I don't think you can have anything about admiration for maybe the job that she's done for such a long, long period of time. Um, so yeah, it's but it's the world. It's this what we just <laughs> what we bore into, right? But yeah. Miriam, give us a bit of like an introduction of yourself. Tell, tell us what you do. Uh, yeah, um, Microsoft and your job, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so as you very much said, uh, the title explains it. I'm a cloud solution architect uh, in Microsoft. Um, I mainly work on public sector and is uh, Azure core. So anything, everything, uh, infrastructure. My passion is networking and uh, recently in AVD, but um, I cover everything that my customer um, is looking for, has got a strategy for. So driven by customer, basically, what our learnings are. So uh, every day could be a new day or the same day. We can't really predict, but that's what we do here. Yeah, yeah definitely. It must be quite tough because everyone knows whenever there's a problem, it's always networking. Oh, yes. Yes. And it's sometimes <laughs> just like 10 dot, 2 dot, something that, you know, you just the eye is not going to catch. So um, and the, the reason I went into networking is because my background was on-prem uh, networking from my previous, uh, you know, um, role and company. So I kind of like extended that experience in Microsoft and make the most of out of it because networking principles are the same. They uh, they don't really change. It's just about what's available in the cloud and what's available on prem and how do you connect it. So um, but I find it quite interesting to be honest. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm only joking. It's not always networking. Sometimes it's um, DNS. Yeah. When I hear DNS, it, it means trouble. So to me, yeah. So yeah, I know. I know where you're coming from. Cool. So um, just reading from your notes and stuff that you sent through beforehand to the, to, um, the show. It's really interesting, um, and I think we're gonna have a, a good a good episode here. Um, 
you were born and raised in, in Pakistan. Um, and yeah, so tell us about, you know, we haven't had anyone on the show, I don't mm. think yet. From, we haven't actually, no. We haven't from, so it's a new one. As I said, every time we do a new episode, it's a new story, it's a different, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a completely different one again. Tell us about kind of, yeah, your, your upbringing um, and education and kind of like, when was, and then after that, what was your first love in, um, in IT? Oh, that's, uh, that's my favorite answer. Um, in Pakistan, I think my, um, it's, it's kind of different to explain and probably I'm representing here a kind of like a small group of Pakistan, not probably the whole of it. The reason I'm saying so is because my parents were both in the armed forces. So you move from different place to different place and you're not stuck to just one city. So I pretty much uh, been in Pakistan, uh, all the major cities or sometimes in the middle of desert, there's just like a base and there's nothing there. So I studied in different places, different schools. Um, the good thing about that kind of lifestyle is it teaches about adjustability. So wherever you go, you have to adapt with different people. Although it's the same country, but the culture could be different from one city to another. The language, the style um, of communicating could be different. So that, that, that I think, taught us from early age, how do you adapt and make friends and uh, mingle among, among people? Um, the up, I think, upside, another upside of uh, having that lifestyle was that it keeps you humble. So it's not very, you know, uh, high class or not very, you know, poor. It's just that it's just a stagnant line and you just go in that direction. So I think my, I do represent, as I say, a very small group of uh, how, you know, kids are brought up in Pakistan. But I think the credit goes to my parents who allowed me to follow my passion and whatever I would like to do. It did take a little bit of convincing in the middle. So when you're doing your O-level equivalent in Pakistan, um, girls usually tend to choose biology because they want to be doctors and the um, guys become engineers. That's the norm has changed a lot. But when I was studying, it was pretty much the, the same. You know, that was a distribution. And uh, so my family was, and by family, I mean the extended family and that, yes, do get involved in your decisions. So my aunts and uncles and cousins, they were all having this kind of like same biology, go to bio study, go become a doctor and say it's a safe route. They were pushing me to take biology in the O-levels and um, O-levels equivalent. Um, but I was not happy with it because my passion was physics mainly. And then second was maths. I really loved these two subjects. And I discovered the love for programming in that time as well. So I kind of like took a stand that if you allow me to study, you know, these 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 subjects, I'll go to school. If you don't, I'm not going to school. And I didn't go to school for for one day. And then a mom and dad knew that, oh, no, she's serious and we have to, uh, you know, just <laughs> let her do what she wants to. And now they say that they're glad. They're glad because I would be a very bad doctor killing people probably left, right, and center. <laughs> and yeah, so it's it, this is, um, they're really glad that I I stood up for what my passion was. And I think don't underestimate any person. Um, they could be 12 years old or 15 years old. Sometimes they just know and listen to them. And if any, even if that's a mistake, that's their own mistake. They will learn from it. Don't make the decisions on behalf of it. Make decisions with them. 
So uh, after that, bachelor or whatever, um, I, I did uh, my bachelor's in telecommunication from uh, FAST. It's one of the uh, good universities in uh, Pakistan. Uh, then I did master's in University of Surrey, and then I did some research again in University of Surrey. Uh, and that's when I realized that um, I was doing a part-time job as well. So obviously I came from Pakistan to UK and I was supporting myself, although I did have a scholarship to uh, for study, but that's just not enough. And I became a Canon rep, so I, I loved ph photography and I thought maybe we can I can do something, some earnings from there. So I used to go to PC World careers and Jessups. I don't know whether they are here now or not, but yeah, um, are, yeah. oh, good. And uh, John Lewis and I would just, you know, the camera stands, I would just uh, promote, you know, what Canon products are. And that kind of interaction, told, you know, was really life changing because I realized I love interacting with people and customers and really being passionate about what I'm selling. I love cameras. I love that brand, what it stands for. And I love that um, uh, that dynamics of sales and interacting uh, with people. That's how I knew that I have to drop the probably the research path and go into like a professional job and find something that allows me to do the same. Um, so with that, um, my first job was uh, in Vodafone and uh, it was randomly chosen for me as a vendor management, which I which was good. You know, it was a good change as compared to what I was doing. However, in six months, I got landed into this pre-sales solution architect space. And from that moment on, I just loved it because it, it to me, it's like a sweet spot. It offers you to grow in technology and then interact with customers. So it's a very good sweet spot for myself. And uh, I don't think so that I can see myself doing something else. Maybe I will, but right now I don't. And then Microsoft comes knocking and you can't really say no. And okay. here I am. <laughs> so I say like, I don't, it's, um, I'm, I'm guessing English isn't your first language, is it? Like your English is incredible. Like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely I'll you, incredible. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because in Pakistan, the education is in English. So you, you study Urdu. Urdu is a national language. You okay. study Urdu and you study English from the start. So, you know, when in your uh, kid goes to kindergarten or Montessori, whatever you want to call it, they study ABC and in Urdu we call Alibaba the same time. So you are studying two languages from get go. So mostly in Pakistan, and I think the same is the case with India and Bangladesh, they, they are taught two languages from the get go. And then it becomes it, it really is not a foreign language. Yes, it's not my first language, yeah. but it's not my it's not foreign to me. Yeah, sure. No, your 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 English is incredible. I think if, you've been here for nine years, and like your your English is unbelievable. <laughs> oh, <thanks. laughs> because it basically is like a, not your first language, like one point, like one point five, like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. your it's your first and a half language, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can say that. <laughs> That's yeah. brilliant. So, kind of like Jessup's, by the way, is still around. It's owned by um, Dragons Den Peter Jones, I believe. So talk to us about, yeah, that time, like you, you was at Jessup's, I know you got into Vodafone and stuff, kind of like, mm. I know that was your passion, but how, how did you, what was that step to Microsoft? What was like the, the, IT, the IT job that got you in there, got you in there first after, after kind of being a, a, a representative for Canon? 
so yeah well that was a part-time job just you know just yeah, to support yeah. myself um when i was looking for jobs i i knew i was i consider myself to be one of those privileged people who knew from very beginning what route they want to go and i didn't have to really you know um go entirely different to what I was studying and what I was doing. I was studying mobile networks, satellites, communications and, and networking. And I went, I knew I, I had to go in that area. So when I was looking for jobs, I had three companies, you know, on my list. It was, and I think at that time, cloud was still going on, but I wasn't really aware of or passionate about cloud. I was still very kind of like a telecom world passion about that person. So um, it was uh, BT, KPMG, I'll tell you why I chose KPMG, and Vodafone. So these are the three companies that was on my target to go for. BT and Vodafone probably because they are the big giants in UK and uh, they have a good graduate scheme. Um, for KPMG, they have a good mix of consultation. So you do get to do different projects and few of my alumni already were there and they praised how they operate. So my target was just apply there and whichever you will get, um, you go with that. So when I visited these three assessment centers, so as a, as a grad, you, you went through a kind of like um, quite intensive process of interview and then different kind of assessments. And they call you an assessment center, which usually is the headquarters. Um, the space that Vodafone provided, um, I really loved it. It was free flowing. The customer, the, the people were really friendly. They were really open, honest. What is good about the company? What is not? And I love that relaxed atmosphere where people are encouraged to be themselves. That the and uh, I, I saw a lot of diversity as well. So there were there were a lot of things that pulled me towards selecting. Vodafone and I went there and I don't regret it. Um, and I went through different stages in, I think, uh, uh, Vodafone personally. The reason being I came from a very study intensive environment and it was hard for me to adjust to um, like an office environment. And I think that's one of the biggest struggles as a grad you face because you, you don't know uh, the, how you can progress in office space, especially if you haven't done any placements and nothing else. All you know is your what you have studied and some experience on the floor. So um, it took me around about, I think you can say, two years to pro proper understand how I should plan my career moves and what to say and what not to say. And because I was sort of a person, if I'm thinking, I'm saying it. So. Yeah. Pro probably not the best approach for the. Oh, um, well, don't worry. <laughs> So, um, and I think in, in that period, I think uh, one, there was a one special event that changed how I was looking at my career. And that was after two years, there was a, an, an interview for promotion basically within the, within the team and there were three people. And it came down to be a very minute difference and I wasn't offered and my colleague was offered. I was a bit disappointed and I just thought, no, like, I am better than this. I should be doing something else. And, um, and and I could feel myself that after that happened, I was procrastinating a lot. I would not respond to an email and I was just, you know, not happy. And that was because probably in two years, I reached the plateau of what I, where, which role I was doing and, and in that pre-sale, what the scope was. I wasn't learning anything. 
my trajectory kind of like stopped and I wasn't realizing it. So there was a, um, I would would not name it because I haven't, um, I had the permission, but my men, I, I got a mentor. She was a lady um, and uh, I approached her. She was in the same field and I described what I'm going through and it's really hard and I need a helping hand because I don't talk to anybody in the office. I'm a really silent person. And she guided me through ability to identify what is important to me and how to get there, have the end goal and how do I work back. She changed my life and I, I, I wish I would have asked the permission to say her name because she changed who I was. A mentor can really make or break a mentee. So uh, for after that, after her constant encouragement, I applied for in a Vodafone Global, that's different to Vodafone UK. It's an umbrella company that sits over there. And I got kind of like double promotion. So I was given um, two levels up um, role. And that just boosted my confidence a lot. And I started studying again. It was challenging. I was challenged every day, became exciting. And I wasn't looking for a new role, new job, because I was pretty happy for where, where I was. But uh, I think I, I was contacted by Microsoft and they offered the role. I loved the role. And I think what helped me in the interview the most was I didn't have that pressure of, oh, I have to impress. I was just being myself. I'll get it. Fantastic. If I don't, I'm happy. That kind of um, gave me a very good position to present who I actually am, what I'm passionate about, without any pressure. And, and, and kudos to those interviewers as well. They did a fantastic job of relaxing me as well. So that's, I think, the uh, end of it. So when Microsoft said, you, you know, this is the offer letter, and I was like, whoa, really? Yeah, wow. Mm -hmm. So this has happened, and uh, this is history. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's good. Great. It's a great story you got as well. Like, um, yeah, where you've been, where you where you come from, and everything else. So yeah, it's a it's a great story. So you're at Microsoft now, and you spoke kind of what the role is. But so, what is it day to day that you you kind of do? Do you have to do too much? Like, do you do just speaking a lot to customers? You mm. are you customer facing? Do you do anything kind of like events or anything like that outside of that? Yeah, so uh, it is customer facing, it's customer intensive role, I would say. So yeah. I am the, can say in a very simple words, the technical contact expert advisor consultant for the customers we are aligned to. So the public sector I'm looking after, there are a few customers that are aligned to myself. By aligned, I mean they can, um, we, we form a strategy on daily basis with customers. So what are they looking for the next few months and how I can help them to achieve their, uh, whether it is to skill them up or reviews or any kind of assistance that can uh, make them go, go where they want to go. So that kind of, um, it, you know, that that is basically the, the overall crux of the role. Other than that, the events could go from internal to external. So we are highly encouraged and I love that. So my, as, you, as I told you, my passion is right now overall zero, but mainly networking and ABD. If that means going into colleges and educating or going into some companies um, or some user groups, uh, regional user groups and um, having a session there, discussion there, that that's kind of encouraged. And uh, we do it on not, not daily basis, but you can say a weekly or monthly basis. Um, and apart from that, I think 
the really good part of this role is you get to mentor other people as well, not only internally, but, but externally. So right now, for instance, I'm mentoring a girl. She lives in um, US and she she's a teacher and she contacted me that um, I heard about your profile. I looked at it and I'm really passionate about cloud. So where do I start? So um, I, I'm kind of like mentoring her to to get that get to get to their to her you know cloud journey. So all kinds of activities from customers to like mentoring is a daily part of my of my routine. So Microsoft do very well when it comes to obviously mentoring. I know that from looking at my LinkedIn, uh, there's a few people that I know from working in the past. Mm -hmm. I've recently joined the Embrace Mentoring Program, Microsoft. So they're oh, going to be, you know, helping build um, interview skills, making sure their LinkedIn profile rocks, uh, as well as their CV, and then obviously building a personal development plan. So there's mm -hmm. quite a few guys that I know are actually in the minute they're going, I'm really excited to be a part of this. You know, if you know anyone that wants to be uh, mentored, then what's in my direction? So I know, I know Microsoft are, you know, from all, from all our guests that we've had on, they are very supportive, no matter in what position you are in your career and within the business as well. Yeah, yeah, that that that's about that's about right. And I think um, in Microsoft, uh, when you are in that community, um, you can truly yes be yourself. And I'm not saying it just the sort of saying it, but whoever I am, I'm feel really comfortable in sharing my opinions, um, bringing myself to work every day. And that happens because, as you said, there's Embrace community and we talk, we have different kind of communities from all over the world. There are events that are uh, dedicated to that community. And there's a certain kind of comfort that uh, enhances the ability of you to work with your colleagues. When you know they about the culture, they're thinking what is something could be really good for me, but it couldn't be really nice for somebody else's eyes. And you get to know about different people and you respect that culture. And I think that, that kind of collaboration environment is very healthy to work in. And that's how uh, how I feel. And Embrace is a big part of it, as you mentioned, Andrew. So what's the difference between obviously working for like, say, Vodafone and Microsoft? Are there any like, big differences that you've had to kind of adjust to since moving from Vodafone to Microsoft? Yeah, so I think uh, both companies have, uh, it's, it's a, there are a lot of people who ha have come across. So from Vodafone to Microsoft and Microsoft to, I think, Vodafone as well. So there's a big community even with, that I know of in Microsoft that's, that's come from that. So what is, what is it, it tells me and, and we talk about ourselves when in, in here is both companies, it's, it's it's a it's a same instruments different songs kind of thing so th there's a similarity and a dissimilarity there so um i think the good thing about vodafone is uh if i'll think about it is the work-life balance their work-life balance is superb so they will not um you know overload you in any shape or form so if you're you can't really work beyond 95 they, they would not encourage you to do it. They would encourage you to have a healthy lifestyle, um, have a healthy, you know, be, being and uh, a proper time to your uh, family. Nobody's going to email you um, in on the weekend. They will get really annoyed if you do. So that kind of culture is promoted in uh, Vodafone. And that's really important in when, when you're working in that environment. Um, the other thing I think Vodafone is undergoing a lot of transition 
in, in, in this modern age, and they're adapting really well. So that adaptation attitude, which is new in that environment, that because telco world was a bit static in their, in their ways, it's, it's attracting the people who can bend, who can change, who can on, on a daily basis. And that's a different kind of property that you develop in working in that kind of environment. Um, Microsoft is really good first on from the diversity perspective. I think on the diversity scale, the amount of people from different backgrounds, different um, uh, you know races, different um, classes I've, I've seen, the mixed bag represents, you know, you get to know different cultures in Microsoft and they work as one Microsoft. You don't really uh, see, you know, a, a distinction that, you know, this work belongs to that and this work belongs to that. And, the re and for instance, for instance, one of the examples is a very good ratio of uh, women in uh, as a cloud solution architect. I think they are almost 50-50 in our teams and on the management. Um, I think they're aiming for it, but uh, it's so close closer to that as compared to uh, Vodafone. I, I think that's the, uh, that's fair enough to say. And the other thing I think the really good about Microsoft is the learning, the stress on constant learning, that you, your learning shouldn't stop. So if that means that customer engagement should wait, customer engagement should wait. So your learning is really important as an individual in, in Microsoft. And that attitude, I think, is who I am. So learning is really important to me. And that's why I think this switch was quite healthy and I made the right choice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds the the, the was it the embrace program you spoke about? Is it embrace? Did I get that right? Embrace, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember who was it that was on the podcast previously had it up in the background. It was quite a big big thing for them. Um, the lady who's moved to Meta now. Oh, you're asking, aren't you? I'm <laughs> <laughs> so bad. You've had so many guests on, John. You you're really asking. Oh. Sure she had it. She did. She had a brace in the back of in in the background of of the podcast. Um, her name was. I see it, John. You're on the spot now. Um, Kima Davies. Oh um, yes, yes, Kima. Yeah, she had um she had embrace in the background of of the of the of her of her podcast of the of her yeah. webcam and stuff. So yeah, it seems something that's obviously taken very seriously by Microsoft and, and the employees as well, which is, you know, great to see. And I think Vanessa Anderson is also on your team or, or, or works yes. around there. So yeah, Vanessa, she, she, she's in the same area, so customer success unit. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she used to work at CDW, um, where I work, and uh, we're, I think we're going to have her on the podcast at some point. She's, she's, oh, she's, she's, she's um, I don't know, scheduled in or something. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll put a notification. I really want to hear what Vanessa is, is about to say. She, she's epitome of, you know, um, analysis and you know, get getting things right, uh, giving directions. She's really helpful. You can, you know, anybody can rely on her. Fantastic lady. Yeah. Cool. So, as a a woman in tech in the UK now, obviously coming over from Istanbul, mm. um, how do you how do you find being a woman in tech in the UK, have you experienced any particular challenges? Um, I know that you're 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 a mother as well. Mm. Do you have any like, like challenges around that space? Yeah, so I think starting from my mother, as I told you, she was in army and air force as a doctor, so she worked all her life, and uh, I think seeing her was an inspiration. How 
I still don't get it how she did it so easily. And I can, you know, I'm screaming sometimes in my head and she was so calm um, and uh, that she was an inspiration for, for me. And uh, whenever I have talk time, I always call her and get my opinion. And she's always, okay, take this seriously and, you know, get, get, get your job done properly and um, take, you know, set your priorities right. So for instance, what is your absolute note? Not you should tell your managers, for instance, if pick them, picking up uh, my little one from school is absolutely not that I would I have to do it. Block that time in your calendar and, and tell your manager this is not comprisable. I'm, I'm just saying an example. So in women and uh, as a woman in um, tech in UK, it's because I've got a comparison from, uh, you know, Pakistan. Pakistan is a progressing country and it has come a long way, long, long way. But when I graduated, um, there weren't any particular rules that I felt comfortable I can go for. So there's a, obviously a bigger space in UK for women. Um, and somebody who has seen that side to this side, I feel that I am in a right place because I feel safe. Um, I feel supported. I feel that I've got different options to go into. I can't just, you know, be boxed in that, okay, you do just that. So I feel that I've got a you know variety of things that I can achieve and go in that direction. And the one I think the that I've experienced and I don't mind sharing here is that as a woman in tech, and especially who is a brown person, you get microaggressions as well. So sometimes it I find it hard that as compared to my white straight colleagues. I have to work a little bit more uh, to to get to that to you know the same kind of attention, or sometimes and it it's all over. It's not just one company or one space. It's all over, and we recognize it as an as a problem. This microaggressions or um, privilege, you know, uh, th that certain people come from. What I think I feel that it's good is that. When there's a problem and if it is realized and accepted that this is a problem, that's a that's a big step towards success. And I think we recently talked about within Microsoft in our unit that yes, this is a, this is a problem, this is an issue, we didn't report it, and this is the steps that we are going to take. So leadership takes it really seriously to mitigate or understand what somebody is trying to say. So somebody who is um, privileged his or her experience could be quite different from my experiences. So for instance, um, I think there were a few days back, my colleague was telling that uh, she was on the phone and she's also uh, you know, uh, from Pakistan. She was on the phone on the train and somebody like shouted at her that you are being too loud while that was not a quiet train and she was going to office. So when she went to office, she's already in a setback mode. So she's she had that and she could tell that that was microaggression towards her if, if she was not that person that would ha wouldn't have happened and nobody can understand apart from somebody like me so she called me and i shared that experience that she's not happy she feels vulnerable um and she's got an important meeting and I, she needed somebody to speak to that so these kind of issues do come up having said that as i told you that this is a recognized problem this is a recognized issue and all you need is to be heard in your community and I feel that you get heard in, you know, in, in UK uh, by people, they understand what you're talking about and obviously take steps to um, to mitigate any issue. Yeah. 
I say obviously, you know, the point of this podcast is obviously to put a spotlight on diversity, equality, inclusion, and obviously having guests on from diverse backgrounds like yourself, and obviously sharing them kind of stories is obviously one of the reasons why we do this podcast, as well as just being, you know, a woman from tech as well. So, yeah, thank you for like, you know, bringing that to us because, yeah, I mean, I'm from a diverse background. You know, my my grandparents are from Jamaica, and I've got Irish family as well. So. You know, I, I understand the challenges because I see it in my own family where, you know, they're trying to apply for jobs or have difficulties getting their foot in the door. So mm. you know, I completely, you know, resonate with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, obviously, I know that you're not really involved in the women in tech community currently. Mm. But what is your, your plans to be more active and, you know, Especially from obviously from Pakistan descent, try and get mm. more, you know, women from you know, Asian communities into roles in Microsoft or in tech. Yeah, so I think uh, for myself, um, anybody it doesn't have to be women in tech particular community. For instance, I do mentor um, uh, startups, so women who has to, you, you know who have got tech businesses and they are starting up and they. are set up in Azure, so I do have a mentor, uh, a mentee uh, who belongs to that area. So I, I love um, uh, mentoring them. The reason being that they're trying to really pull or make a giant. It's not easy to start up uh, a business uh, to get go and the tech business, the kind of challenges they have. I have a immense respect for what, what they're doing. So I do a lot of mentoring there. Uh, there is, again, I, when I, I can't really mention, I wish I would uh, uh, could have a permission to do it, but I've got a mentee. Uh, she's trying to uh, launch her, I think, product next month, and she's under a lot of pressure. So I'm on the side mentoring her tech-wise and emotionally to to get there and uh, to, to use the resources that our mentoring program have to make her life easier. And others, Thing as um, as I said that uh, mentoring people who re- girls or women or of any age that are trying to get to this cloud journey because I think I feel there are plenty of women in our community that is you know Pakistani community or outside our community that wants to do a lot but they don't know where to start um, so finding them they, if they contact me on LinkedIn or if I come to know about a certain person who is um, trying to get the, get there. They don't have to sign up for women in tech. They can just contact me, DM me, whatever, and I'll be uh, there to help them out. And obviously, whoever is listening to this message, if there is somebody who needs it, just you know, drop us a text, and I'm I'm sure we can find some time to help them out as well. So, what else, um, you know, in your career, do you see yourself doing? What, what's the what's the ultimate goal now for yourself going forward? It's a very difficult question, and I think it's very easy to say I'll be, I want to be CEO of XYZ, but uh, for myself, I think uh, I'm really focused on what I'm doing right now, and uh, the, the future plan for the next three years is doing what I do really well with my health intact and uh, my child having my attention as well. So there is no big goal i would say that and, and i've been really honest that there's no big ceo kind of like goal there what i want to do is if i'm a cloud solution architect let's be senior cloud solution architect or 
principal power solution architect, but in the same route. So I love, as I told you in the beginning, I love this area. I fell in love with it a few years ago. I'm still sticking with it. I haven't found anything else that, that will grab my attention, so I will still grow in that um, space and become higher, better, more um, impactful human being, and uh, that's the goal to go. Awesome. And as you just mentioned, you are a mother. Um, so what's like childcare like working within Microsoft in the UK? Because obviously we've mm -hmm. spoken to a number of guests recently who are, you know, heart young mothers um, returning to work. And obviously, from you know, as a person, obviously in the UK, I know what childcare can be like. Um, mm -hmm. Challenges around that. Because obviously, my partner works. He works for a, a government organisation. Obviously, I work for Fujitsu. So it's obviously, childcare can always be a, a bit of a nightmare. Making sure you know one of us is home to. You know, do the school run and stuff like that so how is it for yourself yeah so it can become challenging and uh, um i have only one so i respect people who have got more than one because i think that's a hell of a task having said that i think uh, uh my mother has been a big big inspiration in that she she made it seem that what's in you know a, what is possible and having your priorities right is the key, as I said. So what is your absolute not, where you can be flexible. And I, for instance, for this month, the days I'm not in uh, at home, and I'm not saying that I'll be in Scotland or, you know, God knows where, um, literally means I'll be in office. So that means I won't be here to pick up my child at 3 or 3.30 when he gets off school. So I, I you know, I WhatsApp my husband, this, this, this date, I would not be here. So he has to make sure that he covers it up. The rest, I, I'm here. So my preference is that my child sees me every day. So my, I've designed my work around that, and Microsoft is very supportive of what your lifestyle is. So if I say that from this time to this time, I have to attend my child, then it's all about communicating it to your manager, and then you, you set your work around uh, that clock. So nobody is going to discourage you from doing it. I think that's a really good uh, thing. But it does, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't have to plan. I still have to plan and be very, uh, have a good communication with your partner is the key. Uh, he knowing what, what I'm doing and uh, I know all the time that what his priority this looks like. And literally at the, at the beginning of the month or at least 14 days, we know that when is he's not going to be at home or I'm not going to be at home or what's our schedule looks like. So that communication, I think, helps us a lot to uh, take care of our child. And I think one key thing that sometimes even I have to remind myself is the time you spend with your child has to be a quality time. So don't be on the phone. Don't be looking at the outlook. Don't be don't even think about work. And it's really hard sometimes if you've got a customer call and you're constantly thinking about it and your child is asking you about something, but you're not 100% there. So my mother told me, when you shut down your laptop at five or whatever it is, your work is finished from five o'clock, whatever, in the evening till nine o'clock in the morning, you're not going to open your laptop. You're going to be with your child. So you, there's nothing you can do about work. So just be with him when you are with him. And But when you're at work, don't think about him. Don't be guilty about, oh, you know, I'm missing that, I'm missing this, you, you're not. So don't don't feel guilty when you're doing work. So I think separating two worlds mentally is really important as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think we're kind of running 
close to ish runtime. So I think we've got a couple more questions. We, you know, we've got work to do, and 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 you've got other, and we've got some other arrangements and stuff. But one question I want to ask you is, if you could give advice to a young Marianne going in school, what would that advice be? Be very vocal about your passion, no matter what it is. Doesn't matter if it is music, if it is dancing, if it is hairstyling, being looking like a doll, whatever it is, even if it is tech, it doesn't have to be, you know, just what is the, don't, don't look at the world as, oh, this is the trend, so I should do that. Don't don't look at that. So right now, if the programming is a trend, if it's that's not your passion, that's not your passion. Whatever is your passion at that time, it doesn't mean that you it will be your passion for years. But what it will teach you is to stand up for yourself um, and do something that you're really passionate about and see what hurdles, how you come up with your hurdles. Know, own your own mistakes, own your own decisions and be very respectful to your parents. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to pick up on, you know, fight with them, but be very vocal about your passion and uh, goals. Don't seek out, you know, if if there's a girl there, young Mariam who has got the same passion as me that was computer science, find different resources. Nowadays, there are plenty of libraries, there are plenty of open resources, go get them, try it. There are plenty of people in LinkedIn that could help you out. Just reach to anybody. If one says no, the hundred will say yes. So don't just keep on knocking on the doors and don't fall short on, if somebody says, no, you can't do it, don't take it as, you know, if, if your heart is saying I can do it, don't take it as a downer uh, for yourself. And I think that's the, you fail when you accept that I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna go in that same route. You are gonna be successful. Doesn't mean that your algorithm is gonna run at the first time. Is just keep on writing it and keep on doing in the same passion. So that's I think that's the only message I would pass it on to little girls like me. Yeah, I think that's a great bit of advice. Absolutely great bit of advice. Always follow your passion because if you follow your passion and do what you love, yeah, you, it's not it's not what you're gonna be. You're not. It's not like you're gonna be working every day. It doesn't feel like a job. You're doing something that you love. So yeah, and and don't be yeah, just like this podcast, eh? <laughs> and don't be scared of the failure. Failure is good, you know. Failure teaches us about who we are, how we deal with it. Don't be scared of failure. Failure is a part of the journey. If you have failed, that means you have learned something. So don't be scared of failing. Just keep on going. So I think that's that's really important for somebody who is really young. You know, we get to those those. Kids get discouraged a lot when they fail and they don't know how to bug themselves up. Just remember, fail or not, just attempt it. Go and attempt it. Don't be scared. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Andrew, you got any anything else to close with? Or no, I think that's, that's, a, I think that's a great thing to end on, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And by the way, Andrew, I failed in um my first interview that was with Jitsu. So after Vodafone, when I was looking for, you know, I told you the promotion I didn't get in Vodafone. I was, I was, you know, a bit sad. So I applied in Accenture and I applied in Fujitsu. Fujitsu was my first interview and I was a big fool. I was thinking I knew everything and I just went there and I made a total fool of myself. And they said, who the hell are you? And uh, my second interview, I was a bit prepared and I Accenture and I got the job. However, at that time, the COVID hit and I was not sure to get that. So I stayed, still stayed with Vodafone. So, yeah, the failure. I started with failure, by the way, in the interview. So there you go. <laughs> uh, 
That's amazing. Uh, you've been an absolute fantastic guest. So much like, you know, inspiring things um, littered into the conversation that we've had. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure to have you have you on the podcast. Like like episodes like this are brilliant because you know me and john don't have to ask many questions we can just sit back and just enjoy listening to the episode live so. <laughs> yeah. yeah thank you uh yeah, so, i enjoyed myself as well well anyway just want to say thank you for listening thank you to marion for being a wonderful guest today and as always we'll see you on the next episode of the microsoft spotlight podcast take care everyone thank you and thank bye. you bye Thank you for listening to the Microsoft Spotlight podcast. Please make sure you hit that like, share and subscribe button to help us promote our message. You can also follow us on Twitter at MSFT Spotlight and we're also on LinkedIn, the Microsoft Spotlight podcast. And finally, we'd like to tell you a little bit about BitTitan and thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Remote migrations start here. Let MigrationWiz do the work for you. It's fast, secure and 100% SaaS which means you can migrate at any time and from anywhere. Migrate mailboxes, documents, public folders, personal archives, or even Microsoft Teams with just a few clicks. No special training needed and no customer downtime. When the work matters, choose MigrationWiz.